0: And my own know me. Just as the father knows me. I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will only be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not words of one who is oppressed, who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Please keep your Bibles open. Father, I thank you for the gift of children. Thank you that uh, you you love them and, and you teach them your words. How we pray for Tom as he goes out with the children that uh, he will speak clearly, uh, revealing who you are uh, to them through your word. We pray you give them focus, Lord, and you open their hearts uh, to understand that you are the good shepherd. And I do pray for my brother Abra here that, Lord, you will so fill him with your spirit that when he speaks, it will be you speaking through him. Uh, Lord, may you exalt your word uh, through his lips. And, Father, may you help our understanding that we may see you for who you are, uh, the good shepherd who shepherds our souls and our lives. And, Father, use him for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you,
1: George. Um, No, you're not seeing double. I am not George's twin. Uh, Entirely different person altogether. Um, Um, George just asked me to um, just say a few things about uh, myself, just who I am, because uh, I don't think, other than Rob and Hannah, I don't really know anyone else in the church, so um, I thought I'd just say a few things about me and who I am. Um, and now George also said to, to tell you a bit about my testimony. Well, some of that is actually going to come in the sermon, so, so I'll, I'll um, fill in some of the details um, as we go along. Um, well, my name is Abre, um, I was I was born in Nigeria. Um, which is in West Africa, if you don't know. Um, and I moved over to the UK when I was 15. So did, I moved over to Leeds of all places. Um, when I got there, I couldn't understand the word they were saying. They couldn't understand the word I was saying. So, you know, it was it was difficult, let's say. And um, so I grew up in a Christian family, so believing that God existed was just normal. It was just the way of life, Really. Um, and it wasn't until kind of after university, again, I'll, I'll touch on this in the sermon, um, that I actually became a Christian, um, after lots of heartache and struggling with all sorts of doubts, um, uh, m- many, many sort of issues, uh, but God in his grace um, showed me, well, he showed me his grace, he showed me the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, when I got baptized, I, um, um, there was a quote from C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer, which I recited for everyone, and he said, um, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And for me, that's what Christianity became, it was all this, all this jumble in my head and nothing made sense, and when Christ came into my life, it all kind of just came together like that. You know, that, that's how, that's the only way I can describe it, you know, it's, it was an amazing thing. Um, so I, I live in Kingston, South London, uh, with my wife Sophie, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. Um, and yeah, I go to Cornerstone Church. And once upon a time, I was actually a housemate of uh, Rob, your pastor. So uh, I can tell you many stories, but see me, see me, see me afterwards. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so that's that's a bit about me. But um, as we um, as we well, let's 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 just get into the passage, shall we? Let's get into the passage. Um, so hopefully you've still got your Bibles open to John ten. Uh, verses eleven to twenty-one, and um, I know that Tom Smith, again from Cornerstone, preached last week um, for the previous verses in, in this chapter. So this, what we're looking at tonight, is really a counterpart of what Tom preached last week about Jesus being the gate. It's kind of this agricultural metaphor, and now he's talking about being the shepherd. Um, so we'll we'll see that as we go along. <clears throat> So we've got these uh, three. This is kind of the outline of the talk. Um, Who is your shepherd? Who is the good shepherd? And again, who is your shepherd? So, who is your shepherd? So, in 2007, um, I was in my final year of university in Edinburgh. Um, I studied architecture, so I'm an architect. And um, I was looking through the architectural newspapers, uh, but for jobs, because you know I've got. You know, six months, eight months to graduate. So I'm thinking jobs, and I looked and I saw that new graduates in London were getting 35 grand out of university, and I thought, I am, I'm heading straight to London. <laughs> 35 grand out of uni, that is amazing. So that was that was the plan. And then late 2007, I looked at, again at the jobs um, section of the papers. Few, like probably about 10% of the jobs that that were there, you know. We only had about 10% of the jobs as, as before, like six months before. thought, so, okay, there's, there's something weird happening here. Why are there fewer jobs? Fast forward another six months, and the 2008 financial crisis, there's no jobs anywhere. And I graduated then, which was the worst possible time to graduate. Um, so I found myself um, jobless for um, an entire year, basically, and trying to find job, jobs, trying to find something to do, keep myself busy, so I had to move back home uh, to you know, the family home in Leeds uh, f- and just really build up my portfolio. And what um, that taught me, um, this is when I became a Christian, in that, in that time I spent not working. But what that taught me was, um, thinking about, uh, about this, was that um, career progression is actually what drove my life. I, I didn't actually think about it that way, but the, but the moment that this financial crisis hit, it became all clear to me. You know, my life was 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 all about. I had to be the best architect, and I never actually really thought about it. And it was because it was kind of the default, really. I didn't actually think I didn't actually necessarily want to go there, but that was kind of just how I was driven there, really. That was how the culture of the, the architecture school was like. You have to be the best, and so you just kind of get driven in that direction. You're led in that direction, and um, you know, these, like I say, tough times um, reveal something about. Your motivations about your character, and hopefully we'll see that in this uh, passage. And I wonder if you can relate to that. You know, maybe um, you you didn't realize that you had something that was motivating you until you lost something. Until you lost that thing. You know, it could be a relationship. It could be you know, family. It could be you know, whatever it is. Disappointment. So tough times um, reveal something about us. About us. And, and as the saying goes, when the tough when, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. It shows something about our character. And it shows what actually leads our lives. So if you look down at verses 11 to 13, it says, um, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. See, what Jesus is saying in this passage is that um, we'll see the contrast in a minute, but anything that is not the good shepherd will not um, satisfy. It will fail you at some point, whether that's in this life or ultimately, as we will see, in eternity. So like I was saying about myself, I didn't know that career progression was what was actually leading me through life until it failed, and it became obvious. Now, this is a Christian sermon, so you know, every time, you know, when people ask the question, the answer is almost always Jesus, right? So, um, so that is where I'm going, if it isn't obvious. And Jesus should be our shepherd. That's what he's getting at in this passage. He should be our shepherd. But the problem is sin. You see, when sin came into the world, sin pushed God out of our lives as the shepherd. And when it pushed God out of our lives, something else has to take its place. It's like a vacuum. Something else comes in. And again, Jesus says any other shepherd really is not good enough, will never be good enough. So who guides your life? Who is your shepherd? Something to to, uh, think about. So, who is then the, the Good Shepherd? Well, um, Jesus, says, Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. We see that in verses 11 and in verse 14. It says, I am the Good Shepherd. And it talks about the Good Shepherd laying down his life. In verse 14, again, it says, I am the Good Shepherd. Now, when Jesus says he's the Good Shepherd, the word good in the original language means two things it means um, kind of something perfect or, or morally good. So the first one, um, it means something perfect. Well, so to say that something's um, perfect or ideal is what you live, you know, what you look up to. So I love, and I st- I loved, and I still love playing basketball. Um, when I was 15, 16, I joined a basketball camp, um, and I won the, the most improved player award, and I was given this poster of a Kobe Bryant. If you don't know who that is. He's one of the greatest basketball players ever, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to argue about it, we can talk about that later. Um, and um, whenever I played basketball, the, the poster was in the, on my, the, the door of my room. So, whenever I, I walked out of that door, I saw Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, that's, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. So, Kobe Bryant would do his jump shots, his turnaround fadeaways, his 360 dunks. And I, would, I was all about all of that sort of stuff. So, Kobe Bryant was, in a sense, my model. So, I looked at him. And that's that's the kind of person I wanted to be. Now, um, a shepherd is not really something that people would aspire to. Even in the ancient days, um, the shepherds were kind of, they were like bin men. This this is the only modern equivalent I can think of. What they did was essential. Think about what would happen if bin men didn't actually collect the bins. But how many people say, I aspire to be a bin man. Not many people, really. That's kind of how shepherds were perceived. And yet, if you look at Israel's history, there's so many shepherds in, this, in their history. Moses was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. And look at what God did with these men. And yes, there were still kind of thought about as, as lowly. You know, Abraham, he was the father of the entire nation. Moses, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. D- David, he was the greatest king in Israel's nation. And yeah, I think I, I think about them. I think, well, if they had posters back in those days, and you know these, these guys were little boys, who would they have on their um, their wall, the wall of the, you know their their wall or the um, their door? Who who would they have? And um, the answer again is Jesus. Really, they would have Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd that they were looking to. See, A- Abraham, as Jesus says, looks forward to his day. And Moses, Jesus says about Moses, everything that Moses wrote is actually about him. And with David, well, Jesus says that David called Jesus his Lord. So all these people, all these patriarchs looking to Jesus as the ideal, the perfect shepherd. If you want to be a shepherd, look at Jesus. That's what they're saying. The second thing um, that um, the word good uh, means uh, is to be morally good. The verse is evil. Yeah. And how does he show this? How, how does the good shepherd show us that um, he is morally good? Um, well, if we look down at verses 14 and 15, the first thing that he shows us is that um, he, knows, he knows his sheep. So verse 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. See, he says that he knows you. It's, quite, it's, quite, it's really quite an amazing thing. He knows you in the same way that the Father knows him. Question, how long has Jesus known the Father? Forever. He knows you just like he knows the Father. Before you took your first breath, Jesus knew you. He knew exactly that you would be here tonight, this evening. He knew. It, every single thing that you have ever done in your entire life. He knows you better than you, you know yourself. I know that's a cliche, but that's true. He knows you intimately. He knows everything about you because he is a good shepherd. And uh, I'm sure Tom pointed out last week that um, you know, this is what shepherding was like in the ancient days. Like we think of shepherding as a, you know you have a kind of a, a gated area, And you let your sheep kind of roam around and they're free. But that's not what shepherding was like in ancient times. You had to be with the sheep because there were wolves around. There were thieves around. You had to always lead them around. And so the shepherd knew every single one of his sheep. And he knows every single one of you. He knows you intimately. The other thing that we see um, about him caring for us is that um, he says that he calls, he calls us. So in verse 16, it says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, again, I think Tom probably pointed this out. that See, these shepherds in this part of the world, back in those days, and actually in, the, in today's times, actually, you can go to Syria and you see the shepherd boy's they can actually call out to their sheep and the sheep are, you know, 300 meters away and the sheep will actually come to them because they know the voice of their shepherd. So even if the sheep jumbled jumble up with other sheep, the shepherd can call and the sheep know and they come. And actually, that's one amazing thing about sheep. They have amazing memories, um, if you didn't know that. They, they, they can recognize things like from years ago. But they, they do recognize voices. And for us, God speaks through his word. If you want to hear God speaking, and people talk about this all the time, and want to hear God's voice, well, it's here. It's in his word. He's speaking all the time. And he's calling all the time. So if you can hear my voice and you can hear what's being preached in this parable, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you right now. He's speaking to you. So he knows them intimately. He knows his sheep. He calls his sheep. And lastly, if if it's not apparently obvious in this passage, um, he lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, So I just kind of highlighted it here in this slide, and you can see how many times he says that he lays down his life. It's quite striking. He says it, I think it's five times in there. He lays down his life, 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 he lays down his life. It's not an accident. You know, the hired hands saw a wolf coming and they ran off. And in many ways, I can sympathize with them. Because if I saw a wolf coming into this building right now, I would be doing my best impersonation of Usain Bolt. I'd be out of that door, you know, because it's a wolf. But this is not Jesus saying, well, one day a wolf came along. And I wasn't really thinking. And I just jumped in to rescue my sheep. No, he's saying that this was always the plan. He came Specifically, to lay his life down, to die for his sheep. He came to die for you. It wasn't an accident. And it was his plan. But also notice that um, in the last couple of verses, in verse 17 and 18, he says that he lays his life down and he takes it up again. He says that twice. I lay it down of my own accord and I take it up again. I have the authority to take it up again. So, We know in the Bible that um, the wages of sin is death. So sin equals death. But life equals righteousness. This is it. So the fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that the, the sacrifice that he came to pay has been accepted. So the fact that he's risen from the dead means that we can have righteousness. We can be made right with God. He can be our shepherd again because he died and he rose up again. This was his plan all along. And what this really means, then, altogether, is that Jesus loves you more than he loved his life. <laughs> Jesus loves you more than he loved his life. You see, if, if I was your shepherd and I saw a wolf coming, I, like I said, I would run. That's me personally. I would run because if I if I thought about this rationally, I would say, okay, oh, the life of a sheep versus the life of a human being, you can't really weigh that up. You well, forget the sheep. I'm I'm, I'm out of here. But but what is the life of God compared to the life of a human being? <laughs> How do you weigh that up? You you, you can't. You can You cannot weigh that up. But Jesus didn't do a calculus. He didn't do um, you know a, a rational kind of cost-benefit analysis and all that kind of stuff. He loves you, and he laid his life down for you. And that was always the plan. So you see, in our lives, pain will come. You know, we're, not, we're not going to avoid that, and Jesus doesn't promise that it will never happen. It will happen. But when, when, when the pain comes, who is going to lead you through all of that? Words, you know, if, like me, if career progression was what's guiding your entire life, what happens if you have an accident and, and you can't carry on with your career? What's going to guide you? Who, who is your shepherd? And you see, with Jesus, like, Jesus didn't come to save us from literal wolves. <laughs> the ultimate threat to us is death that comes from sin. And, also, and then Hell. So Jesus gave his life for our life. It was His death for our freedom. And it was His righteousness for our righteousness. That's the great exchange that happens on the cross for us so that He could lead us, so that he could be our good shepherd. So I'll ask again,, um, who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? Uh, look down again at uh, the last few verses. Verse 19 to 21. It says, There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now remember, Jesus was uh, talking to the Pharisees, he was challenging the Pharisees, um, which is why this kind of discussion happens at the end. And the crowd is obviously split, because there's some people who just don't believe what he's saying, there's people who are slightly unsure, and then of course his disciples who are pretty much, you know, they are following him, they're following what what he's saying. So where do you stand in, in these sorts of responses? Which 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 group do you identify with so again who is your shepherd is it anything other than jesus maybe you you don't you don't recognize jesus as, as lord well like i said you know, testing times will come and that's guaranteed you know whether it's um, the cost of living crisis And now we're looking at potentially another financial crisis after two banks in America have pretty much gone under and one in Switzerland. Uh, um, It could be illness. When these testing times come, who will be your shepherd? Who will guide you through? And ultimately, the ultimate test is when you stand in front of the throne of God and he's asking you what you have done with your life and how... You, whether, whether or not you've committed any sins. Who's going to be your shepherd? Who's going to stand in the way between judgment and you? Is it going to be a false shepherd that runs away when the wolf comes, when that, when that threat comes? Or is it going to be the good shepherd who purposely laid down his life? So the shepherd calls, the shepherd calls all of us, even right now, so if you're hearing my voice, I'm not Jesus, but this is, these are Jesus' words. So he's calling you even right now. He may not be your shepherd, but listen to his voice. Listen to him call. So again, back in 2007, 2008, when I um, graduated to find that there were no jobs, what that allowed for me was um, a lot of time. Um, so I was very confused about Christianity. About I, I looked into just about every world religion I possibly could. Um, including atheism, and I realized that I had to make a decision about, you know, where I would go. And I wasn't convinced about Christianity because uh, there were so many questions, and I just thought, no, Christians don't seem to have any of the answers. But what I did like was their character. A lot of Christians were really just, the, the character was just attractive to me. And I remember reading a Christian philosopher, and he gave me what I think is the best advice anyone has ever given in, in, just in my entire life. He said, read, Je- read Jesus, read the words of Jesus. Read him as though he was an intelligent person that knew what he was talking about. Has anyone, have you ever heard anyone say that Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived, who ever walked this earth? He is. He's actually the smartest person who's ever walked the face of this earth. We can think of Einstein and Newton and you know, Hoover, whoever else. Jesus is way smarter than all of these guys. He knows what he's talking about. So if you are unsure, keep coming. Keep coming to this church. Keep reading what he says. He knows you more than you know yourself. Again, who is your shepherd? Is it Jesus? If it's Jesus, you're, you're in the right place. This is what this is who your shepherd should be. So, what does that imply for our lives? Well, it's, it's quite simple, really. It's just rest. That's it. Um, if you if you look at this passage, um, and I can just scan through it very briefly. My only question is, um, what does what do the sheep do? So, we see that the good shepherd. He says he lays down his life. Um, He he he's the one who stays with the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He owns the sheep. He lays down his life. He brings other sheep into the fold. He talks to them because they listen to his voice. He makes them one flock under one shepherd. He lays down his life. He takes it up again. He lays down his life. He takes it up again. He lays down his life. What do the sheep do in this passage? They they don't they're not doing anything. They all they're doing is resting because it's not their job to lead themselves it's the shepherd's job to do it so brothers and sisters if you if jesus is your shepherd rest in him remember look to him he's the one who leads you there's nothing left for you to do other than to rest in him and just praise him for this amazing thing this amazing plan that he puts into action so if if you if you perhaps are struggling with sins, and we all are, we all are struggling with different sins. Don't just beat yourself over the head for the sin that you've committed, and it's it is a grievous thing. It's, but look to Him. Don't just stay in your sins. Look to Him. Um, there's, um, there's there's a song. I don't think we're, we're singing this tonight. But before the throne, it's called, and um, and one of the verses says. Um, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upwards I look and see him there who made an end to all my sins. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. And this is, what we, this is where we should, we should preach this to ourselves. When you are being weighed down by guilt. The shepherd is already... He is your shepherd. Look to him. Um, and I thought that we could end with... Perhaps the person who, who's done this just so well in the Bible. King David, that is. Um, and he wrote a, a comforting psalm. To, to, a psalm which is comforting to many, many Christians. Psalm 23. And I thought that we could just end by reading all together... Psalm 23. We've already sung one song that that reflects on these words, but um, we can remind ourselves of who our shepherd is and the fact that ultimately he's leading us to our final home, our heavenly home, where we will all be with him together. And finally, there will be no more threats. There will be no more pain. There will be no more crying. And that is the day that we are looking forward to. So let's, um, why don't we just all stand up, um, if you can. And then we will read together the words of Psalm 23. Everyone ready? Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I will own the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this good shepherd, this perfect shepherd who knows us, who cares for us, who calls us. Father, please help us to look to him as we try to navigate this life. Help us not to do that on our own, but that uh, we would rely on our good shepherd knows each and every one of us, knows what we've done, knows how to care for us, and help us to rest in him. Amen.